Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to the Film Board, the movie conversation podcast reviewing the latest movies that you've seen and want to talk about. Uh, my name is Ocean, and today I'm joined by Chrissy Lenz and Pete Wright to discuss the latest entry in the SSMU Morbius. Do you need a doctor? I am a doctor. I should have died years ago. People all over the world have my disease. I'm here. 
to find a cure. We have to push the boundaries, take the risks. If you're gonna run, do it now. I wish I knew. And those other uh, wonderful voices that you heard during us discussing what the SSMU means to you and yours. Uh, first, uh, was uh, Pete Wright, uh, host of the Next Real Film Podcast. Hello, Pete. Oh, hi, Ocean. And Chrissy Lenz, host of the most excellent 80s movie podcast. Nailed it, Ocean. Yes. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Okay. So let's just, uh, let's just start with what we thought about the movie going in. So we'll just set the bar and without uh, really diving into the movie or discussing too much as far as spoilers or anything like that. um, I'll, I'll I'll start with uh, you, Pete. Uh, What was your uh, impression of the movie? What did you know about Morbius going into it? And what did you think you were going to see? The trailer, I, I'd seen most of the trailers. Uh, I was looking forward to a fresh take from Jared Leto. Uh, Leto, Leto, Jared, Jared. The I go one Leto. of the, the, the other, it, it is the, oh, do I call him the lesser Jared available in this movie? Um, but, I, but I do. I think you should just call I, him I Jordan Catalano. Would that work for everyone? <laughs> <laughs> that works. It's perfect. I um, I I was looking forward to to seeing that. I did not know. I and and I think after this movie, I still don't quite know where Morbius fits in the overall universe. In the in, and I think it is it is representative of sort of peak Sony Marvel. Uh, it, stuff right now. What this movie is, and I, I hope we can talk about that uh, as we as we go along. So I didn't know much. Still feel like I don't know much. Eager to talk to you both about it. And uh, Chrissy, this is your. Um, what What did you know about Morbius going in, and what were your expectations? Yeah, it's not very much. I feel like, like I, in the grand scheme of superhero things, I and and Marvel things or like any comic book situation, I feel like I know quite a bit more than the average mom on the street, but I definitely don't have that like categorical encyclopedic true comic book knowledge um, of these like deep cut characters. So I've never heard of Morbius and didn't know anything about the character um and definitely got that venom feel like it had that feel of like okay this is gonna be just this is another spider-man bad guy that you've never heard of and we have to learn about him so here's your homework movie uh, the intro <laughs> to this character. That is, a, that is something a mom on the street would say. Here's your homework You have to do the reading before you can see the the other movies. So uh, that's how it felt to me. The, the previews seemed to frame it as a fairly exciting, mysterious, what is it? Is he a vampire? Is he a werewolf? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I really didn't know what to expect. I guess I'll be a little bit of the odd man out here. I knew a little bit about Morbius beforehand from the comics. I, I most of my because you're a Spider Man guy, right? Like I, I like some Spider Man, but really where I learned about Morbius was more from Blade and Ghost Rider comics. Okay, because uh, right. a lot of Morbius came in came in line with uh, Blade and Ghost Rider, and then you know I knew the 
the basic premise of the of the tragic story of him, where you know that I, I knew that he had to had to drink blood to live, and I knew that he had the the thing where he had a a, a woman that he loved that he ended had to, he subsequently ended up having to kill, and there was there's a lot of tragedy to to that story, and that he was kind of your tragic antihero. He was he was a villain, but not like. Not like not like your real evil villains, you know. He's kind of like you know, he's like a villain, like by either by circumstance or situationally. Uh, not so much that he's definitely trying to you know take over the world or kill a bunch of you know children, um, you know. And so, really, when it, so then for me, since I had that little bit of knowledge, I, I so at least I understood the baseline of what character that what this character is and what they what it could do. Um, and then really with all the delays in, in the, in, in being sent out, my expectations, I noticed started to change over time. And, um, and, and, and so one of the reasons I think that happened was like, usually whenever I see a trailer for a movie, I see it, I watch it, I decide right away if I would like it or not, if I'm going to see it. And then I try never to see anymore. But with all of the delays, I kept seeing more and more trailers. And so as the trailers kept going and as they kept changing, because I'm looking at it for the release date, because I was excited about seeing the movie. Uh, and I, at first, I thought I was going to see a really different type of superhero horror movie, and that's what they were going to give. Then, as it kept getting delayed and trailers kept changing, I, I thought, maybe I'm just going to see a standard superhero origin movie setting up a series of sequels. And so, I, I found over the course of the last oh, eight months, I more from expecting it to be good to hoping that it is good. Yeah. Let me just start with like a brief overview of of this story at a high level. So if you're if you're still listening to this and you have not yet seen Morbius, uh basically the the overarching idea is um there's a main character Dr. Michael Morbius, he uh, who has grown up with a rare blood disorder. Um, um but he was uh, identified early as a genius and then he eventually gets a lot of education, he becomes a doctor and he makes great strides in curing bloodborne diseases and creating synthetic blood that has amazing amazing medical uses. Um, However, his main driving focus is to cure his own disease um, because he still has a debilitating disease that is going to kill him eventually. That's really kind of open-ended as how, what the mortality rate is of this disease, but it's like, you're going to die. We just don't know yet when. And uh, to cure his own ailment, he decides he wants to mix human blood with uh, vampire bat blood. And he's going to shoot himself with it. And so he does that. And in so, doing so, in so doing, he does cure himself of his disease, making himself stronger, giving him uh, extra powers. Uh, but, it only, but it also has the downside of is he, he can only survive by uh, drinking human blood. Perfectly. That's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's a pretty much overview of the story. So if you, that sounds interesting to you, then stop listening to this podcast and go check it out. And then we will then talk about it with uh, tons of spoilers as we move forward. A few quick notes. If you are like me, you have been in one too many conversations with your friends about a movie where you want to discuss the good, the bad, the hitting meanings found in specific scenes, the beauty of the cinematography, and right after you complete your first point, your friend politely says, I don't know about any of that, but I just liked it. Uh, and, th- and that response, as we all know, just kills the conversation before it even begins. However, my dear listener, if you want to find a great place to have those conversations with others who also like to discuss a movie's meaning, how it's made, and know that when you are talking about an Easter egg, it rarely involves a bunny, join our free online community on the True Story FM Discord server at thenextreel.com forward slash Discord.
If you like what we're doing here with the True Story family of podcasts, why not become a supporting member? Visit thenextreel.com forward slash membership to learn more about the benefits like members-only Discord channels, show live streams, cool stickers, and more. already really kind of gone over who is uh, Dr. Morbius. He's a genius doctor with the area of bloodborne diseases, uh, driven to cure himself and his best friend, uh, Milo, not his real That's name. That's not his name. Uh, who, right. Nope, Milo's not, not his a, name. Not his name. Uh, who <laughs> shares the same, the same disease. Um, and now early in the films, he captures some vampire bats. How is left to the imagination, but he does it. So what he does then is he, uh, he captures the vampire bats, and now we're at the establishing parts. And this is kind of what I want to talk about as far as uh, what did you, what were your opinions of the establishing scenes? So the establishing scenes is, you know, that, that you're first opening up to what they're trying to do with Dr. Morbius as they're showing him as a sympathetic character. He's treating a young girl that has an unspecified, potentially uh, lethal blood disease. Um, it, uh, they also introduced the colleague, Dr. Bancroft, that works with him to find treatments and has uh, also is smart enough that she, she's very smart and capable, but and has also figured out that he is secretly using vampire bats in order to do his uh, try to do uh, for his research. Um, and also, uh, did you the, did oh, you need to know that she was that she was so crafty? That's my big question. Like, did you, did, was that a disappointment? Because you said that out of the, kind of the corner of your mouth a little bit. Well, I, I think that they they say it up front and they hit you over the head with it early on with that. And I think that they're doing that because, in essence, they needed exposition to tell you, right? Because they don't really demonstrate anything other than she's, you know, kind of like what she was called in the boat. She's like the help, you know, and that yeah. they need to say, yes, she's, she's very smart and genius. And then they have a little scene of where she figures out that he's has vampire bats and that she's been doing that research. But it's kind of, it's, it's really kind of ham-fisted as opposed to showing you that she is smart and capable. They just tell you and you're and you, and you believe that. And that's, and that, and that, and that was part of the, you know, the, the, of, of the three parts of what I've considered the establishment of, uh, of it, that that's the second part. The third part is that, you know, that he's still best friends with Milo again, not his name. And and we see their kinship while struggling to live with their shared disease. You know, they have a scene where he comes to Milo to ask for a lot of money in order to do an experimental treatment to cure their disease over international waters. And so, <laughs> and, and then I love it cuts to international it cuts waters. To international and the waters. <laughs> they actually <laughs> title yeah. international waters. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I to me the whole thing was was. There it was. It went too fast, and at the same at the same time, it didn't tell you enough. So in that first scene where we're meeting them as boys in the the um hospital for special bloodborne diseases, I was lost. Like I was like, which one is which one is Jared Leto? Who's the other one? All I know is his name's not Milo. This is when they were still in when Greece. When they were, yeah, when in, they were Greece. in Greece. Yeah, yeah. And like, I didn't get a sense that not Milo was wealthy. Um, I didn't get a sense that he was sad to be there, um, or that he knew that he had a disease. Like, 
it, it just there. I wasn't. Yeah. It, I didn't feel like they were telling me enough. And and I feel like that is that that in what you just said plagues the entire movie. The entire movie is paced really inconsistently. It moves way too fast over things that I think are supposed to be important, and it really hurts itself when it's it paces right through sequences that are meant to, I think, be threatening, that are meant to, dare I say, be scary. Yeah. And as a result of weird pacing and rushing, it's not scary. This movie never builds to a sense of intensity, and it starts right at the beginning. I didn't understand how these Greek bully children were so menacing and terrible. Like, I did not, like, that was so outside of my expectation uh, that that I didn't, I just didn't believe it. I didn't believe that was the thing. That was the textural element that was going to build this character into this completely medically damaged international playboy in Matt Smith. Like, where did that come from? So I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't get it. I did like the transition to... Uh, to to Leto as the grown Michael Morbius, I thought his his like his relationship with the girl and his relationship like his I liked his banter. I liked maybe, and I worry, I worry. Maybe I liked him because he was not Paolo Gucci. Like I feel like <laughs> I got I got so burned by his over the top performance in House of Gucci that this was a breath of fresh air. It was like so understated, but. Maybe so understated it wasn't a performance at all. I couldn't tell, like, was he supposed to be snarky? Was he supposed to be, like, battling his physical weakness with his uh, his biting wit? Yeah. Like, I, I felt like they were trying to tell me that that was the truth. But, like, there was, and I know that Jared Leto is capable of that. To hitting that tone but like I, I don't know if it was his vocally the quietness of his voice vocally made it seem like i wasn't getting i wasn't getting that s snarky um he just seemed sad like he seemed very clever but he seemed very very sad and and that and i felt like he was supposed to be sassy Yes, I, I I think that they were trying to uh, at least early on. They're trying to kind of walk that tightrope. He's uh, sassy, a little bit apathetic. The whole thing about calling him Milo's because he's basically one in a string of kids that that uh, Morbius has seen die over his childhood, and it's his way of being detached and saying, "Well, I'm just going to call you Milo because you know you'll be you'll be dead in a week anyway." And so I think that that, and, but then as he got older, it is you know the adult version is I think they are trying to make it where he's now just kind of using his wit and not really caring and being like, you know, feeling like every day is borrowed so I can kind of say what I want. And that's the tone they're setting. Um, you know, and the, I guess also two stepping back and maybe this is very, this is too American of me. I automatically assumed they were both rich um, because, you know, a, when, when they were young, the car that the kid that Milo got out of, I, for some reason I had the, this image of, you know, like a young Bruce Wayne is car with Alfred letting him out. But two, and this is where I realized this was too American of me. I, I'm looking at what's happening to them medically, and all I can think of is, wow, that's really expensive. And that only only someone, only 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 very wealthy people could afford this treatment. So I got you the know. impression that they were both poor and they had been plucked from uh from relative obscurity because of the nature, because of the nature of their illness. 
and that there was something about their illness that was going to be the key to figuring something out. So I thought they had both been like identified as having a very rare genetic disorder that could be used to some other end. And so they had both been plucked from uh, other places where they might die to be, because I was like, if he's so filthy, stinking rich, why isn't he being cared for in his penthouse? Like he is later. Yeah. 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 Okay, you're probably right. No, I'm not right. I'm not right. I was straight up confused. You're probably right. I I think you are right, (laughs) but I was confused. You're you're probably right. I I think the movie makes exactly the case for both of you. I don't think either one of you are right or wrong. The movie does not fill in that hole. I don't know if it ends up being important necessarily uh, because, again, there is a hand-wavy 25-year cut to present where, you know, we we get to, to see what he's doing in the lab. Yeah, I, I had to just honestly, for me, I had to back into how how was Milo so rich? Um, because clearly, clearly, as an adult, he's a very wealthy man who can have who can but, have right. whatever who can but, buy and sell who, whole right who can buy and sell his childhood doctor to be his personal like, physician <laughs> for his entire life. Which, like, which is, that, I think, uh, why I okay. thought that the doctor had some some skin in the game himself as to what a cure would mean. You know what I, you know, like either that the cure would somehow further some research that he was doing or an illness that he had or someone that he loved, but no, he was just a doctor who ended up hanging out with these two. You assume cared for the kids. That's, that's 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 all that's all I can get from it. I, I was I'm going best intentions, and I'm assuming that this doctor did care for these these two kids. And as they grew up and you know became men, he, they he stuck with them. It's also because from all I can tell from it, they both live much longer than they were supposed to, and that also could create that attachment. I would the assume. medical mystery part. Yeah, right? correct, correct. But correct, but again, correct. they didn't like. I I think you put that exactly right. From what I can tell. From what I can tell, a lot of things, but I felt like they they left me guessing about a lot of, of pieces that might have been nice to put together to build a little bit more um, integrity integrity into the portrayal of the fantasy. Like, what is fantastical, and what is you know what is the stuff that I'm supposed to just know? And uh, and I don't think the movie did a, a very good job of doing that. I, I think again, it is like it goes back to the script and just rushing through stuff. But I don't know. Maybe it was recuts. Maybe it was whatever. It it the, a lot of that stuff didn't didn't work. Yeah, uh, as well for me. Okay, so, so I. I, I agree. I agree with all that. So let's move to international water since we touched on it in a moment for briefly. Uh, so here, uh, Dr. Morbius does come up with a cure. He splices some vampire bat blood and some human blood and has the cure and thought and thinks to himself, let's just uh, inject this into me. Can I ask uh, the he question? He does inject though? into a mouse. Yeah, sure. <laughs> his lab, his yes. secret lab. On the boat? No, no. The one in the hospital where okay, yes, he meets yes, yes. He, we meet at, the adorable young woman yes, yes and mm-hmm. uh and his his uh smart sassy lady doctor and she's like i know what you've been doing in your secret lab and he's like what secret lab <laughs> they walk across the hall and it's full of bats <laughs> yes <laughs> It's if there's if there's windows as they're in there discussing his secret bat technology. There's people yeah. walking up and down the hallway. Like, yeah. am I crazy? <laughs> what, what like, secret lab? Shrug. 
You can see people walking around behind them. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the bat glass had a smoke uh, thing to remember. She had, she yeah. had to put the code before she could see the bats. So yeah. if you okay. don't, it's just like okay. it's a glass cylinder but then that no is in, one, in his lab. No, he never covered up the bats again after that. <laughs> no. No, because no. it was his terrarium, right? Or his yeah. goldfish. Well, that's what he uses his batfish with flying yeah. mammals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- that's that that is a a central uh, I think issue, but I I would also go back to the fact that they put little what's her name Amy in the crappiest smallest little hovel of a room right down the hall from his secret lab, Crush which is out. extraordinary. <laughs> yes, she can see like, in so there. She can see in there. Give She's her a like window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. So yes, this this girl fighting for her life sees uh, a mouse die and bats. Yeah. So, yeah. So then, but when he takes his secret lab that is across the hall and goes into international, international waters, waters, international waters to come up with the cure, which he does injects himself. And then he got, got, starts his first bloodlust. Um, I think this is one of the first parts where, okay, so now he has the bloodlust. He realizes he's going to, uh, I, I don't know if he realizes he's going to problem, but he has it. And then he starts killing the armed guards. Um, so I think before discussing the problems of this, Pete, I was really curious what you thought of this sequence, because this really is the sequence of where they're saying in this superhero movie, we're going to give you the horror. And this is it because they've, they've done the killer hiding behind the, in the shadows. He's coming from the top. He's moving too fast. We don't know where he is. And we have a bunch of armed gunmen who are going to, uh, you know, face their demise. And, and, and of course, Morbius is going to kill all of them uh, except Dr. Bancroft because the plot demands it. But what did you think of this setup? Did you think they did a good job of at least trying to get a little bit of horror mixed into the superhero? Um, I think that is exactly the way to put it. They at least tried to put in a little bit of horror. I think the challenge that they, I, I don't, I, I wonder who actually uh, guided the direction of this uh, sequence because they made some extraordinary choices in their special effects. Uh, and I think this is a great uh, treatment. Uh, the speed treatment, the way he turns to sort of smoke. I, I loved the the use of smoke as he moves and speeding him up uh, and then slowing him down and doing the little cartoony kind of bullet time effect. Uh, I thought at, at points that was very cool. But again, this sequence moves so fast and he kills so many people over such a short period of time that they never give you a chance to stop and and have an emotional reaction to it, right? They never let you do that. It's just wondrous light and pixels, right? That's all That's all it really is. So I, I thought there was, you know, we get to see some armed guards feeling threatened and have scared looks on their faces, but there was never a sense of the hunt. And that's what I think I wanted most out of this movie. I wanted to have this guy, a threatening horror villain and or protagonist in this movie, to hunt and scare the crap out of some guys. And I never got the feeling that anyone in this movie had time enough to poop their pants before they died. And that's what I that's what I needed. I needed them to be so scared. Like, I wanted alien-level scared. I wanted, like, we're going to be walking around looking for Jonesy-level scared. And we never, like, they never were patient enough for that. And I don't know that we're ever going to get a movie like that again. Certainly not. I'm, I I know. I recognize. Don't write me. I recognize that the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe or the, the SSMU is not the place for me to look for those kinds of movies. I get it. Like, but, but that's what I wanted. That's what I hoped for. And I don't feel like I got it. I got, it was pretty, it was good looking. 
ultimately it didn't inspire me for uh, any uh, pant pooping. Well, you also didn't get to see, unless I blinked and missed it, like a scary transfer. Like she, she's just like, you got, so the, the bad people, the mercenaries, we don't even really get a sense that they are bad people worthy of being murdered so that you get to like find joy in them being scared and then slain. Um, All we know about them is they play cards and have guns. And and the one guy confronts the doctor and is being a little rude to her, but it seems like she's like, are we done with this? She glances in uh, to, to look for Jordan Catalano and he's not there. And she's like, where did, where did he go? And then she goes in and he's on the ceiling. But, but so like, there's not a moment of him being like, Oh, 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 what's happening? Yeah. Help me, help me, yeah. save me. I, Oh, maybe I'm dead. No, I'm not dead. I'm a monster. It was just like, yeah, they're being rude to me. Jared Leto. Where, yeah, where did you right. go? Oh, you're on the ceiling. Oh, you're a deadly killing machine. She didn't seem surprised about any of that at all. Like, not at all. She was more worried that he was going to hurt himself by throwing himself into the glass. Yeah, yes. Than the fact that he was hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or that he was or that he was hanging from the glass. So then, um, I, I guess the the one thing I had, and then please, uh, Chrissy, let me know if this is just me. Did you understand at all why there were armed guards on the boat? Um, because I, I, I could not, I couldn't come up with a good reason. I was like, well, maybe... If someone's going to attack them, but then he has to have a secret. Look. I mean, he's just doing a science experiment out there. So it, it seemed to be that they were there just to for that opening sequence of just to have, you know, you need to kill somebody. You can't kill Dr. Bancroft. So insert insert these people that have guns. It would have made like I was I feel like I was writing another story for myself that the movie was not giving to me where Milo, not his name, uh, had some sort of evilness happening like if milo was from some kind of drug running family that had their fingers in some some sinister pies uh from the get-go so that milo already had this like undercurrent of like is he is there some evil there and like being on the boat like they were they're also smuggling something illegal and we're on the boat doing these science experiments that would, that would have like made the armed guards made sense. It would have made Milo's wealth make sense. It would have made Milo's shadiness make sense, but no, none of that. There was just guards there because yeah, he had to eat someone. All right. I I feel that you've just fixed that part of the movie. Um, yeah, so need, there's, a, there's introduce- a director's cut buried in here that actually fixes a lot of that stuff. Like, I oh. I would be an eager recipient of a thorough director's cut that includes all the stuff that I have to believe they cut out. Okay, okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's that is that's a that's a generous <laughs> yeah, that, interpretation. That wasn't a laugh line, y'all. That was not a laugh line. <laughs> okay, um, all right. So then, uh, after uh, Morbius does that, uh, does 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 the killing. Uh, figure, figures out that he did the killing because they have uh, they have surveillance cameras that show you everything on a boat in international waters of where they want to keep what they're doing secret. He then sees this video, this footage, and then jumps off the boat. Oh, sorry, erases the footage first. Then jumps Thank off goodness the boat. he has the ability to do the password. 
that I'm glad he has absolutely, a password. Absolutely, absolutely. To erase because, the boat thing. Yeah, yeah. I, do you think this was a, this was the thing that I think I, I felt like maybe this is another hand wavy thing, like that he forgot that he killed all those guys because that's not something that they really build on. Does it? Is it just that he gets better and more lucid as he moves through his his sort of powers? Yes, they, because I felt like they were trying to build a uh, like a, a Wolfman. Um, kind of uh, mentality here where it, the stuff that he does while he is Morbius, he never, or while he's the vampire, he never remembers. But when he's Michael Morbius, he, yes. he has to live with so, the repercussions. Jekyll and Hyde. This I can actually answer. In a throwaway oh, line, Milo says, you know how it is when you first turn and you have that all, you can't, you you lose all control. So that okay, first so time, you think that answer is black out? Yes, I, that's I, okay. that's what I'm saying. That's 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 the story I'm sticking to. Um, Good. That right. first time, they they lose control and can't they can't control themselves and they don't remember what uh, everything that's going on. Now, you know, he had some control because he did not kill Doctor Bancroft. He could have, but he did not. Mm-hmm. So there's some level of control there. But uh, he had so eaten the, like the, six people by then. He was full. Yeah. Well, no, she was she was second up. Remember, she killed. He killed the first one, right. just, just yep. knocked her out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he could have just yep. he could have he could have eaten her easily and then gone but on to the rest. That's such a trope, though, right? That it he is. can the, see. He somehow can see. His heart can see through his monstrous gaze, right? Exactly. I mean, he, that that, that, that could, they friend. did give us the look where he looked at her and was like, "Oh, now I'm even more in a rage. She's been knocked out." Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I heard. The but the the, the the after he jumps off the boat, part of the next thing they start to the, the the movie does is they introduce us to really the final two I think main characters of the movie where uh, they introduce uh, the cops. All right, so they introduced um, Al Madrigal who is there for who is there for comedic effect, and they bring in Tyrese who is, I mean it's Tyrese he's 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 everywhere for comedic effect, right? I mean, Al, Tyrese, Al Madrigal. Yeah, so Al Madrigal, who was, and you know, for me, straight so, off the Daily Show, and was yeah. not funny, and Ty, well, like wasn't funny enough, and Tyrese, who they didn't let be funny, who is Correct. a naturally funny dude, and yes. I don't, I don't get how they use these characters the way they use these characters. I yeah. was, well, they so Ty- felt misappropriated the entire time. Tyrese's character is Agent Simon Stroud, who is a more serious and a larger character in the Morbius universe. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they think they were trying to set him up for some other things, and that he's a more serious character. Whereas Al Madrigal played Agent Rodriguez, who was clearly there for the comedic effect. But this is where they do their first nod to Venom. As well, to say you know to to let you know that it's in the same universe, but also that they are now introducing, in a sense, law enforcement into this universe. And I'm sorry, Pete, you were going to say something. I was going to say about Simon Stroud. So one, there's a bit of ADR that is so clumsily uh, covered that it bugged me to for the rest of the movie. He says he he when they approach Morbius in the lobby, he says, you know, I love your synthetic blood. It really saved my ass in whatever his mouth clearly says ass, but it's overdubbed to say arm. And that immediately triggered a scene I thought from the trailer where we actually see him with a jacket off the uh, Tyrese's character. And he has some sort of of thing on his arm. I don't think we got that in the movie, did we? Was there ever any nod to him having some sort of augmentation on his arm? Not in the movie, and I don't remember that that was in any of the trailers that I saw. But yeah, there's no nod to 
what it was other than the, the only, the closest thing I saw in the movie to a nod is he ha- Tyrese's character has a scar along his neck, implying that something, yeah. it's a big, huge scar. So either, you know, surgery or that was the wound or something happened there. Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know what from nothing, but there is a, um, I'm going to put a, a picture in the chat. Because it is it's one of those things that that and I ended up thinking about the entire time because I think it's from um, I, I really think it's from his from the trailer and it got cut. And I don't know why I I don't get it. I think it would have been a really interesting, um, interesting thing to see more from his character. It might have made his character make more sense to me. Yes. I, again, I wanted to write more story for these two characters who I liked. I, I liked them both. And I was like, oh, finally, it, now's my time to shine. You bring a law and order element into this. Now I know. Now yeah. I know procedures. Yeah. Now I know who's interrogating <laughs> yes. what. Yes. Uh, and I And I just couldn't put any of the pieces together. I was like, who do they work for? Do they work for the FBI? Do they work for the police in this place? Okay. Okay. All right. This is okay. So So this is what Tyrese. (laughs) Go ahead. Tyrese says that my character was originally white. They made him a black, but I like to say he was a white guy. He got a really good tan. Tan. The arm has all kinds of special effects and powers, and that's going to mess people up when they see this movie. It's my first time ever being officially being a superhero. I've done some superhero stuff, but I ain't never been a superhero. I had to explain this to my daughter. Are you excited to see how Simon Stroud uses his cybernetic arm in the film? The cybernetic arm was cut. And Tyrese has already pressed it. Right? Yes. Did I miss like 30 minutes of the movie? No. No. That's bananas, right? Like, well, I, I know I, I'm not even a like a Stroud head, but that seems crazy to me. <laughs> yes, I agree. But I think it, it does. It does communicate more about all the different reshoots and editing and what must have happened on this film that there is there are a couple scenes like even uh there are other scenes where i i saw similar to what you saw where i could look at the character's mouth moving and i heard the words were coming out and i realized that there's no way that that mouth said that word Mm -mm. all right and so so that's happened a few times and i think they were just trying to figure out and that to me really lays into the the soul of of this movie or, or the issue of it is the movie, the, uh, the the people that made the movie, either it was done by committee or people that disagreed to determine what is the movie we're going to make, mm-hmm. and and you can tell that the course was changed over time as the movie was being made, and we ended up with this, but I, I I'm not under the impression that this was the original vision of the movie. Yeah. yeah. So like. I was so confused as well, especially with the investigation aspect of it, because they seem to be putting together all of these clues and they're and they're like, well, where is Michael Morbius? And then at some point, a murder happens at the hospital, which is also his secret lab where he has been this whole entire time. Like he escapes to his secret lab across the hall from the sick girl where he's like going through all he's like having his superhero genesis of like i can bounce a ball i can fly so he's doing all of this where the place where everyone would expect him to be the place where he works 
across the hall from the little girl who he's in charge of. And then with when a nurse gets killed, theoretically by himself, that's when, when the cops come to be like, well, now there's been a murder in national waters right here where we're allowed to get mad at you for it. <laughs> um, he's, they're like, we got to find Michael Morbius. Where could he be? He's there. He's right there. He's never been anywhere else. He's not in hiding. He's where he's been expected to be this whole time. Am I wrong? Yeah. He was just, he was there. With his he was bats. there. He's he was there. Yeah, hiding he in was plain there. sight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So so you're saying that you did not feel feel that their investigative powers were high? They, that they Yeah, <laughs> no. Terrible. They, they could have been bad at their job. <laughs> and then and then when they are interrogating him, so they like arrest him and he is he's you know, in the, and he's like, You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. And it's like, really? Because it doesn't seem like you're gonna do anything except like be like ugly for a moment. And it was he like holding back? I don't. Uh, yes, he he was holding back because when he gets hungry, he's going to want to eat people. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to figure out how to then control that. So that I think they were giving you that. I think also that in the uh, jumping through some of the various plot holes that you have in this, you know, you you also jumped over the one where in the midst of all of that, between him hiding in plain sight at his lab and then being finally arrested by the police, there's a scene where Milo then comes and, you know, sees him where he's trying to figure out how long he can last and he writes blood on the yes, wall. Yes, yes, and then, yes. And then Milo, and then Milo then gets him the uh, synthetic blood. And, uh, and of course, there are the two vials there foreshadowing that these are two vials of creative and then Milo will, of course, see that and think, oh, I'm going to grab one of those and stick it in me because that's what did this. You I'm going to stick so, it in my own spine. Stick it in my own, yeah, right, I'm sticking it in my own, yeah, that's right. I didn't think, I didn't think about how it got there. You're right. Well, but yeah, also, right. that scene wasn't enough. Like, I got, I got that he was like, uh, oh, you got the cure? Super duper. Me too, please. I've been here yeah. with you this whole time. And he's like, no, you yeah. don't want it. You don't want to be like this. And he's like, no, I do. I kind of do. It's still, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Oh, oh, the side effects, they're bad. You have to drink all this blood I have stored. Yeah, sounds great. He's been getting blood transfusions anyway. What's the difference if they stick it in his arm or if he sucks on it like a squeeze it? It's the same thing. (laughs) He's getting someone else's blood into his body. So the upgrade is that now he can walk. I I don't know. I don't know. So, all right. So he goes, uh, that that is a, that's obviously a a central thing, a a central problem that we have. I felt like uh, the treatment of Matt Smith uh, as just the character, and and from my understanding, it's a composite character of a number of different sort of Mor- Morbius universe uh, characters to make up Hunter or whoever it is that we have in this thing. It's like that's apparently originated for the film. His his character, I I don't I don't know. Um, but what I do know is I like Matt Smith a lot, and there were some things that he did, some character moments that I thought were really fun and funny. I loved the the scene in the subway. I thought that was a, a cool action piece. And when he kills those police officers and does his little dance move, I could watch that all day long. I thought Matt Smith killing the police officers and doing the dance move was actually uh, a, a very cool action beat. Uh, and of course, that actually gets us into, I guess he was drafting, not really flying or Falling with style, we get to see Morbius in on the riding the wake of the subway train, which I thought was a cool effect. So, yeah, high yeah. point in it, the movie, right there. Okay, so yeah, so then you, did you like the effect? I I did. I thought visually it looked good, 
and looks yeah. cool as far as how you know the the, the wind and the, the the blurring and everything to show him in flight. Like they've chosen a way to do it that looks um, uh, similar to what I've similar to things you've seen in other vampire movies, but a little bit newer in that you're actually able to focus in more, a little bit more CGI thrown at it because you know vampires always can move quickly. Um, but then I, I liked how it how the, that scene how it visually looked. I thought was great. My problem was, and this is this kind of where I what I had fallen back in is I didn't understand the physics because it looked like he was being pushed because the train's pushing yeah. him, and and, yeah. and that was the part that I didn't. I was like going like I guess there's some physics of how bats fly that I just, I'm missing. Right. Well, like, and that's it, what I felt like like because so, when a train is in the tunnel, right? Isn't it creating like a a wave of air in front of it as it's pushing through the tunnel. That's what I, that's what I thought. That's the answers. Okay. The physics in my head cannon was Good. he's riding on the wave of air that is pushed in front of the train. How's that? That, Works that may me. not exist. <laughs> let's just it, say I'm, it does for me now. Okay. It's a wave. Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So then, but the, then with, along with the, the physics of that and the, and the visual, all that visualization. So then did you, I guess maybe I'll ask you then, Christy, did you find it well, believable the, the pivot that the, especially the detective had when they started? Because right now we're kind of jumbling in. Well, now we know that Milo is the killer. Okay. And they're jumbling that the pivot that only the detectives had as far as that, uh, oh, Morbius is not the bad guy that Milo is, but also the pivot that we as the audience are supposed to have. Did you also start to feel that, oh, okay, well, now Milo is horrible because he's killed these police officers and this random nurse and not Dr. Morbius and needs to be stopped? Or was it, was it still kind of a, hey, we can, you know, he, there's still good in him, we can fix him? I definitely was writing more of the story for myself here again, because I, I thought that they wasted some really nice moments emotionally that they could have had in that scene where Morbius is rejecting Milo and telling him to like get out um, to, in order for, to give us a surprise of him having a Kaiser Soze moment in the hall. Right. So they wanted us to have that like, wait a minute. Milo left his cane behind. And in order to like get that surprise, that twist, they, they denied us seeing Milo feel betrayed, throw his scruples aside and take the serum. Um, and, and so the, yeah. So then Milo is just like, Oh, boop, I am evil and loving it. Uh, but I believed him like I believed him more than I believed Morbius that he would be like, I've been sick all my life. I have all of this money and I've, you know, I've clearly been enjoying it, even though I couldn't truly like live it up. Now, not only am I hot and strong, I can maybe fly depending on the circumstances. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, and I sort of went around with it where it's like someone who's seen death over and over and over, you know, like all of his childhood friends, we have to assume would have, would have died around him would have like a, a low bar of what life is worth and a super high bar of like, I, I gotta, I, all these days are bonus days for me. So if like a random blood situation can make a kid die, then I'm going to eat that nurse and this cop and that guy over there. Uh, you know, it was very, very interview with the vampire. I shall kill indiscriminately and look good doing it. 
Um, I bought that and I, I enjoyed Matt Smith's performance of it. Um, and I, 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 I bought his transition into instant madness more than I bought Morbius's wrestling with the demons of, uh, oh no, but is, is any of this worth it if I have to take in human blood? And it's like, what do you think a transfusion is? Like, whose blood was that? Yeah, right. Well, and, you know, if you're going to drop interview with a vampire, we have to say it took Lestat, like, centuries to realize he was guilty about eating people like you know what i mean like it took morbius it like morbius started feeling conflicted the moment he could walk again which felt really strange to me to your point like let's go ahead and have a snack it's a vampire movie yeah. like eat the red blood let's go ahead and see some grim some grim stuff here yeah and, and like if he's if the blue blood it just has a lower thing. He could carry it around like some of us have to carry almonds because we get hangry. Like, <laughs> just get a bigger water bottle, man. That's what we're talking about. Look, I I feel like this this all has to tie into the end, which is the and and now I have to say it the sacrifice of <laughs> the sacrifice of Angela Chase, right? That uh, in in fact uh, sh when he is. Uh, over top of her and she has been injured on top of that building right he, she's been sort of pre-killed uh and says make it worth something she says make it worth something and then he vamps out and goes to town on her but neck, i was so confused right? why how did he get her how did matt smith get her why didn't michael morbius know that he was getting her why did he just pre-kill her why didn't he drink her blood because he was using her as a lure he right. wanted because he got, we heard his his mysterious vampire on the wind voice say, "I want him to hear you" or something right. like that, right? And so yeah, she was bait. He, she was bait. Yeah, that's that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, 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 she was bait, yeah. and then he was stalking her for a bit because um, for a certain time period after they were in the 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 new secret layer, they separated again, and so yeah. The, Doctor Bancroft was oh, back at home, right, 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 and then and that's when that's when Milo was was stalking her, and he so then you know and then he so he just grabbed her, captured her, used her as bait. But so he did two things the, at the, the same rooftop time. Disco floor. He killed the doctor friend, and he killed the girlfriend doctor. But he did them both at the same time, and it, and it, it wasn't oh. even like a Batman moment where it's like choose who do you want to save. Your your mentor doctor or your girlfriend doctor, he just coincidentally killed them both on the same night. Man, this just this feels like right here we're unraveling the other edit of this movie because you're right. That does not it doesn't try. And why did he call? So then the doctor who they who he killed maybe accidentally calls Dr. Michael Morbius and says, says something like. He's out of control. Get over here. I'm get over here. I'm dying. Yeah. Come over here. Yeah. He should have yeah. maybe probably called nine. Which I think was during the Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. In the event of an emergency, please yeah. don't wait on hold. We've heard this message before. The I, I think though, wasn't wasn't doesn't he show up in daytime? Doesn't and then her he catches her later that night. Yeah, it's the same. I think they're I think it's the same, it's the same day, day. It's not the same time. But not at and, the same time. And and also I think that you're also struggling with know. what part of my problem was with that sequence was I didn't fully track why 
why Milo killed the doctor. Right. You know, I mean, I know that he, obviously that idea, because it seemed to be that he, the doctor was just suggesting that uh, Milo not be a killer, right? So Dr. Nicholas is saying, hey, maybe we should try to find some other ways to deal with this. Analogous to what Morbius is trying to do, that like, you maybe don't, you know, maybe not, not that he wasn't accepting him or, or, or anything like that, just saying, hey, let's, let's see if we can help you get through this without killing people. And then Milo kills him, which then implies that there is some aspect of it where Milo's character arc and change has become of one where I just want to kill people. It's not that I want to have these benefits and then maybe figure out a way to live with it that sometimes I'll kill people, sometimes I won't, right? Or just be like, no, this is the way I want to do it and I'm going to go that route. And and also, and so I found that also muddled with the, the motivations of I want Morbius to accept who he is. And that, that in a sense, being killers is who they are and not just a function of their survival. Which is why I like, I was writing for myself this B story where Milo was from some like family of gangsters where, you know, maybe he, he is from, or, or even like from sort of some sort of nobility where he would have been trained since birth to see himself as being higher up than, than the peasant class or what have you. But that, that's not in the movie. I just, I, I, inserted that on my own. <laughs> yeah. I, I I really enjoyed Matt Smith though as the bad guy. Like I loved him as a I he's my doctor, so I, I will love him in probably anything. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens with the whole uh uh dragon uh thing. Um but he like I liked him when he was like, oh I'm sick and sad, but I can have fun anyway. And then he was like, no, I want to be a dapper murder guy. <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> I'll watch that movie too. Murder guy. I just I I didn't love that his face was CGI for as high of a percentage of the movie as it was. Yeah. Like I because I bet there was some really great performance happening under there. Um CGI that was notoriously spotty for a movie that had 20 extra months of delays. Like I, I found some of the the CGI like rapid transformations and stuff distractingly bad. Sometimes it was really good and the overall effect of movement was really good. But some of the isolated effects were just kind of wonky and not believable for me. The holes in the cheeks the holes that get formed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that the, I felt that it suffered from the choice of doing CGI over makeup. There's a lot of those scenes where, you, you know, I mean, I can see the expediency of while you're shooting it that you'd want to do it in CGI. But there's a lot of that where, you know, the, that if, if they'd used makeup effects, then the performance of, of Matt Smith would have been able to come through more because it would have just been him performing underneath makeup as opposed to, you know, you're having to deal with whatever, whatever expressions a CGI uh, computer is, is uh, giving you. So, uh, yeah, I think that's opportunity lost. I, I just want to, uh, speaking of performances, I just want to say back to Jared Harris, I, I am so sad that he was killed in this movie. Uh, I wonder if he is sad that he was killed in this movie, but what I when I saw that he was in here, I was like, okay, okay, now we get another Stellan Skarsgård, right? We get a guy who is a supreme class act in the superhero franchise. And when we introduced, I felt the same way introducing uh, uh, Skarsgård as Eric Selvig. Like, this is a, a international thespian in this thing, and we're going to really leverage it. And then they kill him. They kill him. Like, that it just felt like a tragedy to, to, let, him, to let him off the hook. 
Yes, I, I agree. And I think that uh, of the performances, while I did enjoy Jared Leto, I, I, I really enjoyed, the, even though he's only in a few scenes, I enjoyed his performances as a doctor. He definitely pulls off the, I'm the smart doctor that knows a whole lot of stuff really well. You know, and he was, he was an empathetic character. And also, I think that the, for me, the, the compounding of that tragedy and that loss you're talking about as far as the character moving forward is also that he was killed for seemingly no reason. You know, like like I'm I'm all for random killings in my movies. I, I accept that. I'm I, I'm all about. You know, if you want to have characters whose entire actors whose entire whose entire character is just coming across the screen dying, you know, getting shot or killed, but die, I'm all for it. But when you have when you have characters that have meaning, it's like well, you can kill them, but it should it should mean something, you know. And in this case, it just seemed to be that it was it was killing him because the plot demands it. You know, because you need yeah. to create. But I don't even know that the plot demanded it. And this is the problem that I have with it. And I think we, I, I think Chrissy said it too. And uh, <laughs> I'll just restate what Chrissy said is that we already have this death of a sympathetic character in. Uh, in her, right? In, uh, I, uh, whatever. Dr. Her Bancroft. Name was. Dr. Yes, Bancroft, Dr. right? Bancroft's in in Martine. Yeah. And she was, she serves the exact same purpose as the death of, of Jared Harris's character. Why? And we're back to back. Why did we need to use them twice and lose the character that we, that could have become such a, a, a fantastic tool for uh, the franchise, right? I, I just think that's a missed opportunity. And we get to keep, I mean, maybe that's part of the calculus. We get to presumably keep Martine Bancroft because she turns into, like she opens her eyes and goes red and she bit his lip. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, what did she, in, did she intend to bite the lip? It, looked pretty intentional that she knew it, it what she was doing it did it did um, to me too and my my son who's 11 as as we were leaving he was like wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> she bit it and now so she oh mom i get it she's yeah. gonna be a vampire and i was yeah. like good job little buddy well and, and my son who's 15 leaned over to me and was like oh sexy like okay really that's where okay all right fine i get where we are now that's a that's mm-hmm. a different parent child interaction. That's a different <laughs> interaction. Yeah. Oh, what a difference those four or five years made. <laughs> yes. Okay. So and so since we're here, why don't we just take a uh, a few moments to talk about that fight ending, right? So um yes, we've ending. already talked about it. Won't the, take very the, long. The, I'll bet it'll take us longer to have that conversation than the actual ending of the movie. Uh, it, it, it might, yes. Yeah. So because they the Morbius and Milo fly around, uh crash through several uh, they fly around, fight. Uh, crash through several feet of concrete and steel pipes down to a, a sub-basement of the city, uh, fight some more, and then um, Morbius calls some bats, and uh, and then uh, Morbius stabs Milo with the poison to kill him. And that's pretty much that's the fight. So, and then the I movie like is over. Think of the rest. I have. <laughs> I'm sorry. Visually, yeah, okay. Go ahead, Chris. No, go no, ahead. I, go ahead, no. I was going to say, like, I have, I had some thoughts about the, um, the poison that will kill, uh, kill him. The, uh, the, um, iron overloaded blood. Um, so I have a blood disorder <laughs> that causes me to have iron overload in my blood, and I was like. 
he'd have really been uh, screwed if he had accidentally bit me in any of those like situations. Like, it's not like there are not people who have iron overload and just are walking around. Like what a dangerous thing for, for a vampire (laughs) to go. But like, as he's explaining that he's like, yeah, like do people have to like keep safe distance from you at all times? Like my goodness, I guess they really set up a real horror show. Yeah, I, you say that, Chrissy, and all I hear is that, so you're immune to vampire vibes. I guess. I yeah, learned that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Today yeah. I learned yeah. Uh, yeah. that I am vampire poison. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But they were, like, explaining it, and my whole family just looked at me like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's you! And I was like, it's me! <laughs> I uh, I think you know when we we started talking about uh, shaky cam, you know when it really came off the rails, we started talking about shaky cam um, around the Bourne series, right? And there were some of the early movies in the Bourne series that that I think uh, the the Bourne identity, in fact, I think is a great use of of shaky cam. And then it turned into Jiggly Monkey, and it just became nonsense cam. And that's the camera is moving so fast to uh, that it is so there obviously to obscure action that we can't shoot authentically, right? It just feels like a tool in in the arsenal. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's just overkill and and it doesn't it doesn't work to to engage. This movie inspired in me a new term, which is I'd like to call rubble cam, which is we don't know what the actual we're shooting right now. So we're going to just cover the scene in long extended passages through rock that is just falling, <laughs> being tossed about, uh, rubble cam. It can be extended to flocks. Is it a flock of bats? A herd of bats? I don't know what it is of bats, yeah, but we'll figure it out. Um, and, and, and that is what I got from this movie. I actually, for being such an optimist for the rest of the movie's visual look, I really, it like, you know, when you talk about the, the movement, again, I really loved it. I liked the wispy stuff. I thought that was very cool. Then we get here, and it becomes complete nonsense. I could not track anything in space and time. And then it was over. It was just over. The movie was over. And uh, and we go to the weirdly uh, Tron-like uh, credit uh, role, which I thought was, it just, everything was uh, not good in the, the final, you know. I guess the third act of the movie was about <laughs> two minutes long. Well, they... I, I think I liked the idea that they were going for with the fight scene at the end about the fast the fast movements and then the the occasional freeze frames, um, and so I I you know I guess I want to say to not be I'm trying to say something nice about a, about a movie that I really think has a lot of problems and I was like I, well I do appreciate the idea that they were going for I do think though that I agree with everything you said about it is that it as a device it's a cool idea but i think it's only a cool idea in its execution it just doesn't work it, i think it, that it is hackneyed. a really fair assessment it, yeah. lo- it looks hackneyed it looks like you know yeah you have the rubble thing going on the the fight scenes are incongruent it just doesn't work but it on the when you're thinking of an idea that it sounds great but, but that's it and so i also then think and so um it also gets as an aside, just while since you pause to breathe, it gets to your earlier point, which is I, on paper, the the slowing down the motion in the middle of a very, very fast moving scene seems really cool. And I can imagine somebody really rocking a storyboard. But once you put it on screen, those characters, when they're monstered out in slow motion, looked really dumb. 
Like I just it, it did not play. It did he Matt Smith's character up in the with the the <laughs> the I am Sparta pose with the spear did not play. It looked like a joke. It looked like a joke. Yeah, it did. And um the there are multiple terms for a group of bats. Um there oh, is good. a colony of bats, a cloud of bats, or what I've decided is my favorite, a cauldron of bats. That's what it is. And that's so, exactly what we have. Mm-hmm. It's a cauldron yeah, of bats. Cauldron. It's, it's a, a wind a tunnel of bats. Of bats. <laughs> exactly is what it is. Yeah. And so I, I do think though that there was an interesting thing to me where uh they, they have an opportunity lost, I I thought. And so um at the end, once he uh, poisons Milo, kills him. He gives the the little sad face, the obligatory sad face. But he then decides to not kill himself. Yeah, which he was all gung ho to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly, implying then that either he now feels that he has something to live for now that everybody he loves is dead, or something else. You know, that maybe he's, you know some some other type of egomaniacal reason that he's like, well, no, I must live on in honor of these people or something. I I don't know. I kept trying to compare him to Dr. Strange in my mind too. It'd be like, okay, well I got Dr. Strange that Dr. Strange was this like egomaniacal, exactly like you said, like he's too important in his own mind to, to die or whatever. Morbius didn't feel that way to me. And then, yeah, I was like, the dude was all ready to kill himself any at any point in this timeline until literally anyone who could hold him accountable no longer existed. And then he was like, well, so, and I, I don't know. And that was the whole thing for me in his character was like, he wasn't, he wasn't Deadpool enough to be funny, even though like they were trying to make him funny when he was like, Oh, I'm Venom. Just kidding. I'm Dr. Michael Morbius. Like that was supposed to be a funny moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that was only in the trailer. No, I swear yeah, to God, that I saw was it. Not, that, that was not. No, yes, the scene the was in the shot, the but the, the, the movie, line was cut. The line was, the line was the different. Yeah. It was different. Yes. Yeah. He he says I'm Venom, and then that's it. Oh my God! I, yeah, he I said take Advil and rest. Saw it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because it happened in the trailer so many it times. Did, yeah. You've seen yep. it so many times. Yeah, but in the movie, he doesn't actually say it. I completely completely uh, erased my memory in that moment and saw it. But I was like, yeah, they're trying to make him funny. They're trying to make him um, a renegade, a rogue, but he wasn't. And so, yeah, his decision to not kill himself really confunded me. And I I couldn't wrap my mind around it. Yeah, it's a great word. I I feel like this this leads into uh, the first post credit scene. You you remember the Porsche Cayman uh, product placement sequence? Uh, <laughs> did we? That, that and, and I have to I have to ask. Was it the second one? Okay. Yes. So I have to ask kind of a leading question. At any point in this movie, did you get a sense that one Michael Morbius knew who Spider Man was, and two that he knew who Spider Man was well enough? to have ill intent toward him. Mm-mm. No. I forgot that this had what anything to do with Spider-Man at no. all. I even forgot the Venom connections even when I was yeah. reminding myself of them. Well, I feel like that's a miss. What are they trying to retcon here? What are they trying to do? A, a lot of the stories in the comics as far as Morbius and the reason, part of the reason why he is a Spider-Man villain is a through line of dealing with Spider-Man's blood has the ability has has extra abilities that can actually actually heal him. 
Wait, heal and him and heal make him, him not his, a vampire? From, right, not a vampire. It can actually heal him from his current condition. Why can't he figure that out? It why, seems like he can figure why out Why did they thing. not... Oh. I mean that's in the comics, okay. but it's not. This I, mean, is, but it's, it's I don't. I don't where, expect you to have the <laughs> yeah. Ocean, why didn't you fix Ocean, this? Ocean, can Look, you make I, some calls? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This goes to a central problem I have with all of the Sony, the SSMU, is that th- to make a a movie about a villain. You have to make him a protagonist and have some also ran worse villain to make him useful in the movie. And Venom and Venom There Will Be Carnage were uh, messy. Again, similar to this movie, they're they're beautiful messes. Like, they look good on screen, but there's nothing forgettable. They're instantly forgettable. This is yet another origin story where we don't have one of the principal protagonists for this character. We don't have Spider-Man, and we don't have Blade. Blade's now introduced in Eternals, so Marvel's got that locked down with Mahershala Ali, and why can't, like, that's, this whole system is broken that these characters can't be together right now. And I think that makes this movie worse because there's all, we have wonderful story to tell that nobody seems to be contractually allowed to tell. I love Blade. I would love to see Blade get involved in this. I would love there there to be more than one Blade. Let there be a million Blades. Let there be Blades. (laughs) There can't have too many Blades. blades. Yeah, well, the... Go ahead. I'll say the Blade character probably can cross over and will be allowed to. Sp- Spider-Man is the sticking point. But yeah, the the introduction the introduction of um of the organization. I used to call him Vulture. I don't remember Michael Keaton's character's actual name. The, yeah, but Vulture in it is the idea behind what I think this it's an idea being floated to try to do what they potentially almost missed a little bit on in uh, Spider-Man, um, was it Far From Home? No Way Home, the third one. Th- they wanted to make yeah. a Sinister Six movie. You yeah. know, and so, uh, and so the, but there's two problems with it. One, they have most of the Sinister Six was in Far, in No Way Home. Uh, or no, yeah, No Way Home. The third one, that's most of the Sinister Six anyway. And then, Morbius isn't a part of that. You know, so, so it's, it's, it's kind of like they're just kind of ham-fisting some things in to try to bring them right. together. Uh, you know, and have some of these characters cross over. But as far as future tense goes, I'm not really sure where they're exactly where they're going, but that's kind of the idea of what it was that, that I read is that they're trying to do, do a Sinister Six. They're definitely trying to do, I, I know they're trying to do a Sinister, sinister Six. And, and it, it, you know, the, the I, I think the path to get there is more confusing now than, than ever, uh, especially because, you know, Michael Keaton, uh, are we to presume like which universe are we in right now because the 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 rift in no way home uh brought everybody who knows peter parker is spider-man into tom holland's spider-man universe right yes well there was a toby Maguire spider-man on the wall of this movie right on a graffiti yeah. on the wall so oh. now which universe are we in are we in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man universe? Are we in Tom Holland's Spider-Man universe? Did the Rift actually pull Vulture and his wingsuit from the going the wrong way in universes? It it because it like, happened in I, Venom I, too, right? At the end of Venom, he he got sucked into he got sucked into the Tom Holland and then back, right? So right, are we? Did this? Does this whole movie and the cutscene take place in an extended point, like during the battle in New York in Tom Holland's universe? Is that where everybody lives now? Is that like? 
I, I, do, well, do you have any idea? Do these like, questions like, provoke like, or annoy? No, I, like many things with this movie, with this movie, the fewer questions you ask, the better. But in this specific instance, the, the one part that I do believe is, at least I felt was clear, is that they're in the SSMU. So I, as far as who Spider-Man is, it's not Tom Holland. I don't know if it's Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield or whoever, but it's not Tom Holland. And that the, this guy got sucked over. That's part of why he got let out of jail because he has no criminal record and they have no idea who he is, right? And so that's why they let him out. But that, yeah. So they're in a they, he. This vulture is being sucked. It's almost as if everyone that knew that Peter Parker Spider Man was pulled into into Tom Holland's. But then if you already knew, you were kicked out, right? I guess that's what I'm going with because oh. because that vulture already knew that, and so he he's out. He gets kicked out. He and got then kicked he's in, out of the universe? Well, because he's not in that universe anymore. He's in a different universe where they don't know who he is. But does his does his <laughs> human character is there an is there a version of his character that never turned into vulture in the universe? You know, is the Michael Keaton in this Morbius universe? Did he go to the Tom Holland universe? And where did he get the Stark tech to build the wingsuit that Vulture has in the MCU. Yeah, the the wingsuit, the Vulture suit is going to be definitely what I what I found to be the biggest plot holes. Like they they they're going to really have to explain how did he build that um, again. But as far as what where he is and what universe is, he's not in the Tom Holland. He's not in the MCU. He's in the SSMU. Okay, and that's that's where Vulture is, and, and in that in that universe. The, the way those news footage report, yeah, the Venom, Venom, Morbius, that universe. The way they describe that universe, that his regular name, which uh, was, oh, Adrian Toomes. Adrian Toomes doesn't exist. So, so then that that's why they let him out because they were like, well, Adrian Toomes is in this prison, but we don't know who that is. We have you, you not, you're not a criminal. Whatever, you're out. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, so that's and that's. Okay. I mean, it's look. Is it ham fisted? Absolutely. But that's about as best logic as I can get from what they were doing. I I have to believe because again, optimistic guy. I have to believe there is a there is a movie in here and there are decisions in here that can explain a lot of stuff. This movie, I think, doesn't give enough breadcrumbs to be able to tie it together satisfactorily for me, and so it leaves me just frustrated and and confused more than anything else. I I guess I hope one day there's a movie that comes out and and explains it all and to the point that makes this movie make sense. Um, but it's it's a little bit troublesome and. It leads, I think, or adds to my origin story fatigue. Like, I'm really done with origin stories. I know we have to find ways to get them in there, but you've already earned your wizards, folks. You've earned your wizards. Let's go ahead and 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 get them into um, get them into the universe. I'm I'm ready. I'm just ready. So in the in the universe that we are in. In, in the Spider-Man universe. So like if let's assume it's Andrew Garfield's just for the sake of okay. assuming. Which would be great. Give him a third movie. Could he not wouldn't Dr. Michael Morbius be aware of the work that was going on that the 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 lab that Spider-Man um you know the dinosaur guy was wouldn't he be aware as a doctor of the regenerative regenerative work that was like so that could have been a tie-in, right? That could have been a, a he knows who Spider-Man is because he somehow works in the same lab. 
I, again, I'm writing a movie that's not part of yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, there, there's a whole lot of maybes there. You can you, you can go a lot of different directions with this. But uh, so b- before before we all have our heads exposed, let's just uh, I'll, yeah, exactly. Before we have our heads exposed, so then I will start with you, Chrissy. So given the the expectations you had uh, going in, did this movie meet, exceed, or fall below? your expectations. I believe that this movie met my expectations because I was expecting um about a venom level experience and I think this was just about a venom level experience. I probably enjoyed it more than I did either of the venoms. So I'll say okay. it cleared the bar. All right. Uh Pete, same question. I think Venom felt like a uh, both the Venom movies felt visually more complete to me. They were more interesting to watch. I just like the the symbiote effects more, even though I think the movies and and I think the movies generally are less confounding than this one ended up being. Um, and and I find our conversation has uh, has has poked even more holes in my experience with the movie, knowing that I just walked out of it like two hours ago, and so. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know much going in, but now looking at all the stuff that was clearly trashed uh, from this movie to, I guess, hammer it in some sort of shape, I really would love to see this, the intended story that this this would, would have been. This feels like a, an incomplete half movie, and, um, and so I'm, it leaves me disappointed. I think it is, in terms of my expectations, I, I, it, my hopes are dashed. To use your parlance, Ocean, my I I was hoping it would be a better movie. It was not a, a great movie, and uh, so I think it it fell below my certainly below my hopes. Maybe it met my expectations. <laughs> I for me, this movie uh, did fall below my expectations. I think that the expectations, fair or not, now are that with superhero movies, they need to start. Each one needs to bring a little something extra to the table of whatever wh- whatever its ingredients are, and the this movie for me felt very much like had it been made twenty years ago, we would talk about how much we enjoyed this movie. But but it looks like they were trying for something better, greater, more complicated, maybe. Um, and over time, through changes, ended going back completely around to what is the safe, tried-and-true storyline that we've always done for any given origin movie. It's all colored by numbers. We have a, you know, the, the hero's going to get his powers and something like that. Maybe he has a little bit of conflict with it. Uh, his, you know, his friend, in this case, his friend, mentor, and girlfriend all die. Usually, you don't get that trifecta. Um, but, you know, usually just one or one, maybe two of that, them die. But, you know, his friend, so his friend turns against him, kills his mentor and girlfriend, and then he has to kill his friend. So it, it's, you know, it, it's a very color-by-numbers origin story that, you, you know, 20 years ago or so, before the MCU, before the DCEU, before we had a lot of these superhero movies, uh, you know, when, when, the, when the diet was thin on this type of stuff, that, I think that would have worked. And I think that's what they delivered as opposed to at least trying for something more. It would have been better to me had they tried for something that was great and then just missed versus where I feel they just pivoted and went to the safest 
place possible. So for me, it was definitely below my expectations. I think it's I think it's telling what the studio probably thinks of it. The fact that nobody gunned for a new Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse trailer, <laughs> that it was still the same across the Spider-Verse trailer that's been yeah. playing for you know months now, that mm-hmm. this movie doesn't get a fresh Spider-Man trailer in front of it seems like a crazy miss. So I I don't think anybody has very high hopes for this thing. Well, we're on Letterboxd. True Story FM's Family of Film podcasts are all part of the Next Reels HQ page. Letterboxd is a great way to track movies you see, write your own reviews, and be a part of a larger community of film lovers like yourself. Sign up for your own account today, and if you upgrade to a pro or patron account, use the discount code NEXTREEL, no spaces, at checkout to save 20%. This works for renewals as well. So since we've already discussed it in terms of how we felt about these movies overall as a whole, um, Chrissy, I'll start with you. So on a scale of one of zero, I guess technically zero to five, on a scale of zero to five, uh, what type, what letterbox rating would you give this movie? 2.5. Because it's a movie. Got it. And is that it? Your scale just goes from 2.5 to 5? Uh-huh, is yes. that how it works? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get less than 2.5, you have to not, you have to make me ask the question. Don't make a is movie. Is it a movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. It's you know movie. what? We're going we're gonna to do a new, it's just me and Chrissy. You're going to do a new podcast. It's called Movie or Not. <laughs> <laughs> Very short. Yeah. <laughs> Very short. <laughs> so, in, Okay, is that uh, with or without a heart? Like so, is it a guilty pleasure? The heart is like, do you like it? Is it a guilty pleasure? Like you like it side again, or you just be like, you know what? I this was two five, and we're good. Okay. And they weren't even they weren't even like sexy enough to be like a guilty pleasure. Yeah. No. All right. Okay. And uh, Pete. Uh, and and I would say on that comment, sexy enough. It's not like they didn't have raw material, right? Like I, I think Doctor Bancroft is hot, and Jared Leto when he monsters hot. out. Super cut. He mm-hmm. did great. Like yeah. physically, he looked good. Yeah. Like, and he didn't look too big. Like that was awesome. He was like an aspirational man, mm-hmm. not a yeah. monster. And so I, I thought they were both. They, they could have. They could have. Uh, they could have been sexier than the bitten lip. Yeah, could have been sexier. Um. So I, I'm gonna go. So I'm on this new kick. No half stars. <gasps> That's my that's my nicknames. Pete, okay. no half stars, uh, right? And so I, uh, I this it, would have been, I think, a, a one and a half star movie. But I'm going to lean in on on my optimism. I'm going to give it a two star, uh, and that it, it might deflate over time. But um, now I would feel guilty giving it anything less because it is objectively true. It's, it's a, a movie. movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Did uh, did Tommy give you that uh, nickname or the no half stars? Because if it, no, if it, I I I don't. I think Andy uh, okay. Andy accused me of of that. Okay. Well, yeah. so yeah. So here, here, true story. If I'm, if Tommy doesn't give you the nickname, it, it doesn't. Count. It doesn't count. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> fair. So, okay. Um, so for me. This movie uh, kind of uh, so for me, I give the movie two stars and no heart. And this is really where I where I landed with two stars. Is that for me, a one star movie is one where, in my opinion, that I would if not for if not for doing the podcast, I'd have gotten up and walked out. At no point in time was this movie bad enough that I would have gotten up and walked oh, out. Oh, okay. I, I did standard. not. I I recognized go. I recognized throughout it there was too many plot holes, and and the plot holes to me were so large. That in a movie that is paced this fast, I still noticed them. 
you know, because a lot of times movies, you know, you can get away with it when it's move when a, when a movie paces this fast. You can get away with plot holes because I haven't had time to think about it. But they, but when they're this big, it's like no, I see it, I see it in real time. Um, and so yeah, so I I still, you know, the the movie experience stuff was good, is that it was good ish. Why well, it's not good? Good's the wrong word. It, it, it's a you know what. It's a Chrissy, movie. You're, it's a movie. <laughs> you 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 nailed it right on the head. It's a movie. <laughs> it is. Man. It's got okay. people in it. Movies it's are a hard. Movie. It's a it's movie. A movie. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you both so much for uh, joining me to talk to uh, joining me tonight to talk about Morbius. Um, and so, uh, uh, Chrissy, can you tell us what's uh, going on next for you in the in, the po- in your podcast universe? Yeah, we are um, uh, at the most excellent '80s movies podcast, uh, about to embark on uh, the '80s movies we haven't seen uh, based on a poster I bought. The hundred hundred '80s movies bucket list. Uh, we're going to start ticking off the ones we haven't seen yet. <laughs> I'm surprised there are any left. There's a bunch like, and, and I, as I see what we haven't done, I'm like, Oh, we haven't done weird science. We haven't done weird science. Oh no. Oh, yeah. yeah. You gotta do weird science. Yeah. So which of those are you on the list of what you're talking about now? Which one are you most excited to do? I'm, I'm actually like really trepidatious about weird science because I think that there's going to be a lot of cringy moments that will be hard to dance around. Like that can be tricky. Like 16 candles was, it was, it was sweaty. I was like, oof, oof. Ah, uh, what do we say? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm more, I'm nervous yeah. about weird science. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Pete, what's uh, coming up next with you? Well, um, speaking of things that are hard to watch, uh, we're doing coming of age debuts. Uh, that's the series we're in right now. So as we do this show this coming week, I think uh, Ratcatcher comes out, which is fantastic. The rest of the month is built around the Virgin Suicides 13 and the Diary of a Teenage Girl. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a great month. It's a great month. We're actually really enjoying these these movies, and um, you know, the uh, Ratcatcher in particular, particular was was um, a, a real treat. And uh, so, I'm I'm loving the series. But um, all you know, I, all I can say is, going into the movies we're recording now, I am so glad that my daughter is like through the hard parts. <laughs> like she's she's an adult now, and I'm done. <laughs> Because I don't think I could do that now that I've watched all these movies back to back. I I have the bends. It's too much too fast. So well, we're looking forward to all of that. So uh, we'd like to uh, remind you again to please join our online community with fellow movie lovers. Uh, learn more at thenextreel.com forward slash discord. If you're not already a member, please consider supporting the show. Uh, to learn more, visit thenextreel.com forward slash membership. And, and don't forget to do the stuff that you're supposed to do with your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, listen, and most importantly, share. Please let those movie lovers in your life know about the show. The best way we have to get more people listening is you. And coming up next month on the film board, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The multiverse. It's life or death use an Avenger. There are other Avengers. We'll get you back on the lunchbox. The fate of the multiverse depends on us. No pressure, then. 
Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Tickets on sale this Wednesday. Here on the Film Board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. 